This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast. Kevin and Chuck. Today, we're continuing our uh, beginner prepper series, and I wanted to talk about first aid. Um, it's kind of tough to like tell you how to do first aid tricks. We may touch on some things, but you know, for the most part, how do you get prepared for medical emergencies, or you know, what kind of first aid supplies should you have? What kind of training should you maybe seek out? Where can you find it? These are the things I wanted to talk about today and kind of, you know, get us a little bit more prepped in that area. Because when there isn't outside medical help, when you don't have access to the emergency room, when you don't have access to antibiotics, when you don't have these things, it's a game changer. Um, we've mentioned it in the past, but one of the things... I know before I got into uh, prepping or survival stuff and started really paying attention, I was always like, well, I get cut all the time and I don't get infections from that. And that's ridiculous. You know, yeah, it might turn a little red or whatever, irritated, but it's never a big deal. You know, it might be a minor, you know, infection, whatever. I've never had a problem. And that's how it is in your mind, right? You're like, oh, no big deal. But remember, in the apocalypse and, and when times are hard and, and you're not going to the grocery store or you don't have running water or you don't have, you know, water is going down to the creek and boiling it first before you do it. Well, if that's the case, you're probably not washing your hands or using hand sanitizer eight times a day. Right. I guess. I don't right. know. I know where I work. I'm washing my hands pretty much every half hour or hour. Again, they're usually covered with grease up to my elbows, so that's why, like, I can't physically hold things anymore. They get so right. dirty. But 
you know, the idea is we wash our hands pretty frequently. You go to the bathroom, you wash your hands. When mm-hmm. you go to the bathroom, when there's no running water and you got to go boil it and get it from the creek, you're probably not washing your hands as often. Just throwing right. that out there as a possibility. Right. Also, not yeah. You might be you might be a little bit calorie deficient depending on what your diet's been like, and your immune system right. might not as be as as active as it could be. Right. Maybe you're not getting the citrus and the vitamin C and the vitamin D like you normally are. Um, those things. There are ways to plan and grow your garden and diet to get you know some extra vitamins and nutrients. But again, the odds that your immune system might be a little down are high, higher. How about that? We'll go with higher. So that's something that we need to consider and think about in this time, you know, of whatever. But also something simple, Um, a cut where you need stitches. Not really, you know, the big thing right now, but imagine you're living an active lifestyle where you got to be out chopping firewood, where you got to be, you know, doing stuff, going out. Maybe you shoot a deer and got to drag it back, and it, you had to go four miles to get this deer because they're not as close hanging out in the yard after the first two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, now you're dragging a deer back through the woods. One, you're exhausted. You're more likely to cut yourself. You're more likely to, you know, have problems. It, it turns out, you know, I mean, I, I play with knives all the time, and I cut myself. Not all the time, but once every six months, I'll, I'll stab a finger or something and, you know, mm-hmm. not a big deal. I just throw some electrical tape around it or something. But, you know, these things happen when you're using these tools every day. I, I know some of you are like, well, I always use a knife the right way. And I always cut away from myself and, you know, this stupid shit, right? But <laughs> I I say stupid. What I mean is, yeah, we all like to follow the rules. We all like to have our safety glasses on 24 seven and whatever, Mm -hmm. but how much in your, you know, in your home life, do you really abide by those, you know, at work where it's the rule and people are yelling at you. Yeah. You probably do wear your safety glasses or whatever, Mm -hmm. but when you're at home working on the truck and you just want to grab something underneath, do you go get safety glasses? Probably not. Right. That's my point. We don't always take the the steps that we need to to prevent injury, and you need to really be aware and take a little more caution in a you know stressful time and when it matters. You know what I'm saying? When the doctor isn't available, the the stakes are higher. You need to right. take a little bit less risk, but again, reasoned risk. Are you going to probably doing more risky events? in a stressful, you know, no food and water available situation. Of course you are, but you need to make them calculated risks. Like, is there a way I could spend an extra minute and do it a little bit safer? You probably need to take those steps. Right. Just putting that out there. Um, We did just talk about a, uh, an IFAC bag being in the 72 hour bag and being in the car and having that kind of thing ready. So an IFAC trauma bag, and IFAC stands for Individual First Aid Kit. Um, A trauma bag and an IFAC are technically different. Um, I'll kind of touch on the two. I really just carry, actually, in my vehicles and in my 72-hour bag, I have an IFAC and a trauma bag. Um, the, The trauma bag 
it's basically five, six items. It's not a big thing. It's like, hey, I need to get to the shit I need in an emergency, not necessarily the luxury time to clean up, time to, you know, whatever. So what I look for in a uh, trauma bag is number one, easy to get to right on top should be a tourniquet, possibly two or three um, tourniquets. Uh, There's a company recon that makes great tourniquets. Uh, The big thing you want to look for is it needs to be easy to get to. Um, It needs to be at least an inch wide or wider. Um, Right. Is it possible to make your own tourniquet out of a seat belt, out of a belt, out of all these other things? Of course it is. And that's, you know, that's great. And you need to do that if you're stuck. But how cool is it if it's right there and ready for you to grab? And you don't have to think about it. Find something, look for something, cut something free. Oh, it's not long enough. How am I going to tie it off? How am I going to cinch it properly? Have you ever tried to, you know, a seatbelt that actually has the clip and the buckle and you can cinch it? But how many are like that anymore where you can adjust the length? Or is it just the spring thing in the seat? You know, modern seatbelts aren't like they used to be where you had that buckle that you could, you know, you have a clip, but you're going to close it and it's going to be the perfect uh, length. Probably right. not, right? No. Um, and when you do a tourniquet, those of you who have uh, had any kind of medical training um, know that it needs to be tight. Tight. Tight, tight. Now, can you put a stick in a bar and twist that seatbelt? Yeah, but is it going to be laying nice against the skin and is it going to be extra painful and nasty where that knot is for people? Yeah, probably. Now, is that better than letting them bleed out all day long? But I'm just saying, having a professionally made tourniquet that's set up, you know, for that is definitely a plus, right? right. And they're about fifteen bucks each. Uh, next important thing um, would be maybe like an Israeli bandage, right? Something to mm-hmm. put pressure on and tie off. Uh, really, any kind of great wrap. That, you know, it doesn't have to be an Israeli bandage, any kind of thicker wrap that you can really put pressure and, and, and apply and cover a wound would be great. Uh, I carry uh, rubber gloves in mine. You know, if you're, we just talked about infection, you want to get in there and protect things. Um, they're an excellent choice. Uh, you also need something to pack into a wound and that's where you get like your quick clot. Dude, I, Whatever the modern agreement in society is, um, you need something. Sometimes they say it's the quick clot sponge. Sometimes it's the quick clot gauze. Uh, I I would say either one of the two are going to be better than nothing. Um, They're great for shoving in the wound and putting pressure right where the bleed is, especially when there's an artery or something like that. The big thing where you run into this is, You know, you can put a tourniquet on any of the extremities, but there's also 50% of your body that's not your extremities, right? Right. And those, you need to be able to get in and pack the wound and close it up. Big thing is you want to stop the bleed quickly and you want to, uh, you know, close it up so things aren't leaking out of people and air isn't sucking in. And the next thing would be air sucking in. High fin chest seals, something like that, right? 
Right, yeah, right. You can, I mean, you can do stuff with with that with, um, you know, even a, a garbage bag and duct tape. This is, you know, stuff right. you can make, but it's better, much better to have that stuff pre-made. Available. The, yeah, available. Exactly. Exactly. It's just now, right where you're grabbing it. You know, a driver's yeah. license makes a great chest seal, but... And again, you know, people keep like, oh, I have a driver's license and duct tape in the back of my truck. Great. That'll work. I agree. But how cool is it if you got the right thing and can just get there faster? That's all. Right. Um, something to think about. Right. Uh, again, uh, last week you heard me bragging about uh, Leatherman makes a new pair of shears, like EMT shears. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the Raptor, I think is what they call it. Yep. But yep. either way, um, EMT shears. You can buy them for seven, eight bucks. You don't need to spend the 70, 80. It's up to, you know, again, how much are you using it? How much money have you got? How much, you know, you decide what's right for you. I'm just saying they're pretty cool. You can get in there. You can, you know, make things go quick and easy. Um, that's, I think that's what I got on uh, for in my bag. I'm trying to think of what else I might yeah, be missing. Well, one thing, <clears throat> one thing that it, that, I find comes up a lot is uh, is the finer, smaller tools, tweezers and things like that. Um, you know, getting a chunk yes. of, of wood or something like that out of your skin, uh, you know, it's not life-threatening usually. You know, if it's something that you right. need tweezers for, it's not life-threatening, but it's painful and obnoxious and annoying if you have to deal with it for an extended period of time without, you know, without being able to, to take care of that, that issue. Um, something I keep in my, in my, uh, bag is way too many gauze and way too much tape. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Chuck was talking about the Israeli bandages, uh, about the quick clot, all that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, if you have a serious gushing wound, you need to just keep wrapping it, keep wrapping yeah. it, you know, more gauze, more tape, more gauze, um, more tape until I, it stops bleeding through the bandages. I, I know, I know back to my boy scout days. You know, if somebody's going in and in a controlled environment where they can really clean it out and take their time and, you know, stitch it up, close it up, do things the right way, then you take it all apart. But otherwise, out in the field and during a traumatic event or where you have limited time or super limited resources, you need to just keep applying more and more dressings. That's what they always taught us in Boy Scouts, and that seems to have been the consistent theme, you know, throughout my life and all the medical training is just keep putting more on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing that people don't realize um, medical training is very often taught from the point of view that you can get to professional medical treatment and help and that, all right, you got to treat the situation for right this minute and then the ambulance is going to come and the right people are going to, you know, take care of it and everything's going to be good. You know, even if you have like EMT training, that's still how it's designed and trained and set up to be handled. That's the way the approach. Now, people need to start to think outside the box and think, well, wait, what if I can't go to the emergency room after, or I can't even go to my regular physician? Now, The upside is we do have nurses and we do have people mixed in a society and people who are going to be in your community. It might be smart to get to know these people. It might be 
smart to talk to them and see what tools they have and resources are available. Um, say, hey, you know, what kind of things would you wish you had if you had to become the doctor? And, you know, what kind of things do should I put in my prepper kit if you're not going to stock it that, you know, we can have available to us? You know, what's important? Um, one of the things that I, I stock a lot is uh, uh, Oragel, right? It numbs. I know when I've done stitches on my kids and things like that, I put Oragel on there because it's uh, clean and it's going to, uh, you know, it's not going to cause an infection or problems. It'll numb the issue and it really works. I've used it for uh, bee stings, things like that on the kids. I can't get them to stop crying and, you know, whatever when they're really little and bam, a little Oragel on there and the pain's gone and they're like, yep, I'm good. And I'm like, yeah, that's people don't think about that because it's not like in the day to day. And honestly, people aren't ready to solve their own problems is what happens. Um, this is where antibiotics, you know, you've heard in the prepper community, people talk about fish antibiotics all the time. Right. And, uh, I do have a list. Uh, I'll tell you where I got the list in just a minute here, but, um, there's, uh, fish mox is amoxicillin fix. And that's uh 250 milligrams, which again, these amounts, if you look at what doctors are prescribing you, you can kind of compare them. You don't always have that available to you. And I'm going to tell you where you can find out what you need, you know, to figure that out. We'll get there. Um, they have fish psyllin is ampicillin. Uh, fish flex is keflex. Um, fish pen is penicillin. They make all kinds of, you know, different antibiotics that you can get and they're all available to you. And you really, they have a, sorry, fish flocks, which is Cipro, Ciproflaxacin, uh, bird biotic. They have doxycycline, um, all these different ones. They all have different purposes. Now, using the wrong one, assuming that people aren't allergic to it. It's going to be better than, you know, whatever. However, for each instance and each, you know, different thing, they usually use something different that's more appropriate and had a better success rate. Well, as a prepper and not a doctor in the medical community, we don't know. And honestly, doctors don't like sharing that kind of information. It's not for you to be self-diagnosing and whatever is, is kind of the way they approach it. So, there's a book that every prepper needs to go out and get, and it's called The Survival Medicine Handbook. And there's a guy, Joseph Alton, who's a medical doctor, who basically says, hey, if you don't have access to a doctor, what options are available to you? And I got to tell you, even if you are a medical doctor, this book will open all kinds of doors to you. It'll The idea is, you understand what else I could use. What are the options when I don't have a full surgical suite and a, uh, you know, a, a medical uh, pharmacy available to me? What other options are available? They tell you what to stockpile. They tell you what you know uh, medication is right for what, what amounts you want to use, that kind of stuff. The book's expensive. It's about thirty bucks, and that's a lot for a book. Um, 
but I got to tell you, life changing as far as being able to, you know, medical supplies. And I got to tell you, even if you're like, oh, my neighbor's a nurse and I'm just going to count on them. They're, they're friendly with me. That's great. But I'm telling you, having this book there or either buy it for your neighbor, buy it for you and have it when the time arises. But I'm telling you, reading through and looking through the different stuff is going to be life changing as far as dealing with medical situations. The entire book is set up on how to deal with it when you aren't going to the doctor after, when you don't have resources available, and when you're stuck. And I'm just saying, and they tell you what supplies to buy beforehand. So that's the other thing is you don't want to crack open the book after the end of the world. You know, I always, a lot of, of my things are, you know, with uh, a lot of things with preppers is, all right, I only have so much time. We're all busy in the world. And I understand that you want to spend time with your family. You want to spend time shooting guns. You want to be out in the garden. You want to be dealing with livestock. You want to be, you know, going to work and making as much money as you can. We all got shit going on, but we don't have time to look at stuff. Well, Going through some of these things and getting the supplies that you need and understanding what you're going to need is kind of essential to get when you need. Um, I I know they sell uh, on Amazon. You can get sutures and and that kind of thing, you know, for doing stitches, the little needles and stuff. Not expensive, not a big deal. Um, They're easy and whatever. Uh, they have like uh, little surgery kits they have for medical students, um, that kind of stuff. There's a lot of little surgery kits that are available. I'm telling you, having two or three in your preps would not be a bad idea. Maybe just one is better than none. Um, a lot of these have interchangeable blades for uh, the scalpels and stuff where, you know, it'll come with like 10 blades and whatever. That way, you know, things like that. All this stuff matters. Um, Again, you know, knowing how to sterilize things, having alcohol, having, you know, being able to, you know, boil things, do things. There's a difference, you know, they say between sterilized and clean. There's, you know, so looking at your preps and and seeing what you can do beforehand is going to be, you know, whatever. Now, if you are the doctor, nurse practitioner, nurse, whatever. Next uh, thing that you might want to add to your arsenal library would be uh, Emergency War Surgery. Now, this is a book actually put out by NATO, and that one's really cheap. That's uh, You can get, I've seen as cheap as five bucks and maybe as much as like 10. Um, but they actually talk about what you can use to set up IVs and do things and you know, kind of gives you all kinds of ideas and how people do it when, uh, again, a full hospital uh, isn't available to you. Tells you what kind of resources, what kind of things you might want to, you know, look into. Um, you know, there's a lot of that. Uh, again, I was saying in my car, I keep a uh, a regular first aid kit, you know, where I'm going to have my triple antibiotic, uh, you know, your Bactine, Bacitracin, that kind of stuff. Um Band-Aids, whatever. Next, I would say medical training. Kevin, yeah, you've uh, I think spent that's, some time looking into that, right? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a big deal. You know, if you were in the Boy Scouts or, you know, 
any of those types of groups, you probably had a little bit of experience with some first aid, uh, CPR. Uh, you don't have to be in one of those groups. The, the Red Cross has classes all the time in, in your area. First aid, CPR, they're not, a, not very expensive. They, you know, you can get it done usually in, in a couple of nights a week or even, even a weekend and, uh, real easy to do a uh, lot of great information. And, um, you know, CPR is the other, the other thing that they, they do classes on a lot. And that's, that's changed a little bit. Um, I think it used to be, uh, 10 compressions and two breaths. Now it's, it's 30 compressions and two breaths. So for, uh, CPR is, is, um, it's an interesting, uh, uh, topic because it's, it's, you're not going to, you're not going to save somebody's life by giving them CPR. What you're going to do is keep them from getting brain damage until somebody gets there that can restart their heart. You know, one of those, uh, AADs or the defibrillators. Um, so what you're going to want to do is, is lay the person on their back, tilt their head back, make sure their airway is clear. Um, check for breathing, check for a heart rate. If, if that's not happening, that's when you start CPR. So, what you're going to do is put two fingers, your index and middle finger of your, your left hand on their solar plexus, put the palm of your right hand just above those two fingers, and then put your left hand on top of your right hand and be, begin chest compressions. Um, chest compressions often will break somebody's ribs, crack the ribs. Uh, if that happens, don't worry about it. Just keep going. That, ha- you know, that happens a lot and it surprises a lot of people the first time they do CPR it's not always going to break your ribs, but it's a, there's a good chance of, of fucking somebody up. Right. But if it's the choice between you really dying, do have to push hard, right? Right, right. And if the choice is between dying and having cracked ribs, that's not a big deal. Nobody's going to fucking sue. Or, well, nobody's going to be able to sue you for breaking the ribs doing CPR because right. we do live in it's, America. So yeah, there there are laws that protect you. You're not going to get in trouble for for fucking somebody up by giving them CPR. The point is though know how to give CPR. Don't, you know, don't just go in there uh, guessing that you think you remember from, you know, 30 years ago when you're in the Boy Scouts. You need to, you know, be up on it. You need to take the classes. You need to pay attention. And uh, in those sorts of situations, you know, not everybody you're going to give CPR to is going to live. You know, that's just a fact. But you're giving them a much better chance of survival if you're able to start CPR right away. And, the times that that works best is um, when somebody's heart stops, you know, whether it's a heart attack, um, being electrocuted. Um, sometimes uh, people that are, uh, you know, people that drowned, got some water in their lungs. CPR will help clear that out, get that, get them coughing and moving. But if you don't know how to do it, you need to get in and get into one of those classes and and just get up to get up to speed on everything. So I'm not going to try and teach you how to make how to do CPR uh, on an audio podcast that you're listening to. You need to get some hands-on experience with it. All right. So another resource for training um, on YouTube, there's the Patriot Nurse. Um, I am willing to venture that she kind of goes off on the deep end by my standards every now and again, but. Uh, all in all, a ton of great ideas and great things that, uh, and I've never seen anything that made me question, oh, I don't know if she knows medically, just some of her thoughts maybe are a little crazy. 
Oh, okay. All right. About that. I didn't. I didn't question her medical stuff. I don't have any idea. I've never seen a single thing that seemed. Oh, that's dangerous. Right. And remember, I mean, that used to be the ongoing thing about our podcast. Was like, yeah, if people listen to Kevin and Chuck, they're going to get killed. Right. So I'm not exactly one in the position to throw stones or whatever. I've never seen anything negative there. Um, I just was saying that some of her ideas of. Uh, political stuff and whatever she she's all in that's all i'm saying all right but all right as far as learning and and getting more stuff she's she's your your go-to yeah um yeah, now yeah one of the other things that you know you know chuck just talked about the uh antibiotics the fish antibiotics and the bird antibiotics that's important it's a great thing to have it's not something you can get at the uh you know at cvs or something you can't but, get a tractor supply a lot of the time. Well, yeah, yeah that's right. I mean, I mean, human human antibiotics. They don't sell that at the at you know the drugstore. Uh, right. Things that are important though is for when you have those those wounds that we were talking about, those cuts that normally don't get infected. That you know maybe a more dangerous situation is uh, some sort of antibiotic ointment or cream. Those are great, yes. fine, whatever. You can also buy like. 30 gallons of, of rubbing alcohol for about eight cents. Super cheap. Or make your own moonshine. <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't recommend disinfecting with your own moonshine, but I do recommend making your own moonshine. Oh, okay. Uh, so, you know, people were like, oh, we need to find crops that you can bring to work and sell them. And I make these jalapeno, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, my work, I think moonshine's the only thing I can make at home and sell, you know? But, yeah. You know, yeah, so, so uh, when it comes down to it, you know, it's it's real cheap and real easy to stock up on rubbing alcohol. I always have plenty of it in the house. Uh, it lasts forever. That's, you know, it's not something you have to worry about an expiration date. Rubbing alcohol and whiskey are two things that you can put on your shelf and they'll be good forever until, the, you know, whiskey maybe not. And we recommend stockpiling It's it used up before. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, I dump rubbing alcohol and everything. Every time I cut, cut a wound, I dump it. Uh, I dump it used to be everything every time I, so, uh, you know, yeah, there you go. It used to be uh hydrogen peroxide. Um, they recommend against that now because it damages tissue, you know, as much as it damages the, uh, bacterial infection, whatever, do whatever you want. I don't give a fuck, but you know, the way it goes with this sort of stuff, yeah, the way it goes with this sort of stuff is, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I'll I'll take a look, you know? Show me what you got. We'll see. That your, yeah, that's your theory? Uh-huh. <laughs> My kids always, when I'm like, yeah, I'll take care of that. You're not a doctor. And I'm like, I got you. Don't even, don't even mm-hmm. worry about it. It's yeah. going to be less painful when I do it, you know? <laughs> Whatever. And mm-hmm. they're like, no, it was horrible. I was screaming. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, yeah. it's good. That don't happens. worry about it. Yeah, yeah I, I've had people scream before. Don't, don't worry about it. I don't think that – I think that Chuck has surprisingly a, a surprisingly amount of, of uh, instances in his life where he's either given or gotten stitches from somebody that didn't know what the fuck they were doing. <laughs> Yeah. Didn't you get stitches once in a in a boat with like a a, a fish hook that had box, worm yeah. guts on it or something? Well, the yeah. guy's like, "Oh, I can take care of that." And he grabs his tackle box, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, 
Let, let's stop right here. This is my face. No, you're good. Right. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about yeah, it. Don't even don't even worry about it. We, we'll be good. And so yeah, now that that's happened. Um, mm-hmm. one of my kids had stitches in his head, and uh, man, he was just flailing and screaming, and no, no, I'm gonna die, you know, whatever. And they had him on one of those like backboards with the Velcro to, you know, and he's like ripping right, out of the Velcro, from- you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like a seven year old or whatever, you know, you're like, no, yeah, then uh, it ends bad. So I'm like, if that's how it is at the doctor's office, then forget about it. I got you, you know, sitting at the ER where they just keep, you know, you're bleeding all over the floor and they just keep giving you more paper towels. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. not that's not what I'm interested in. I'll take care of my own shit, you know. So, anyway, so some of that was risky, but what our point is is you need to go seek out the right stuff. Um, I would say again, the medical um, or the survival medicine handbook all day is something you need to add to your preps, and they have lists of items. I thought about reading through you know, some lists and telling you guys what's in my bag and, and what you need. But I, I feel like look at somebody who knows. Um, I know with my trauma bag and stuff like that, I never put anything in there that I don't know how to use. Um, it's just going to be in my way and something that I can't, you know, it's not worth it to me. I only use the things that I'm trained on. And I'm not saying it's not good to have that stuff in your storage, but don't make it as garbage that you have to sift through. I'm so I find it so ridiculous that they sell these like big EMT bags that come with all kinds of stuff in there. People buy them, and it's like, yeah, you're sorting through a thousand things, and you don't even know what any of that crap is. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that for an right. EMT, but I'm saying that for you know the prepper guy who thinks, yeah, I spent three hundred bucks, I'm good to go. Well, no, that's not exactly how that works. Um, what I would say is even, you know, an EMT is going to weed through, hey, I use, you know, I use rubber gloves every time I touch somebody. Let me have a decent amount right here, rubber gloves. Um, make stuff accessible, replaceable, things like that. Um, make it where you can get to it. You know what it is. You know what it's for. And if you're not going to use it and it's not relevant to you or it's beyond your scope, then get rid of it or put it aside where when you come across somebody who can help you and does have the right, you know, skills, they can use it, you know, something like that. Understand your stuff, get the training, spend the time and things will look up. That's all I'm saying. Um, There are a lot of great resources. I would say, you know, check out some videos watch some stuff, maybe sign up for some real hands-on training. You know, like I said, when you, I, I know I've been to training with tourniquets and stuff and we actually put tourniquets on each other and they're like, feel and know, you know, how tight it's supposed to be. Like basically the, the instructor kind of idea was like, yeah, when they say, Oh, that's too tight. You, you did it wrong. You're going too tight. That's when you got it right with a tourniquet. <laughs> It really is that freaking, you know, tight that you need to be if you want to cut off the bleeding and, you know, stop it, whatever. But again, this is where the hands-on training with professionals, you get there and you get to see what that really looks and feels like. You don't want to, 
just assume. You know, now maybe because I said that, you're going to go through where you cut a half inch, uh, you know, hole in their leg putting in the tourniquet. So, you know, again, that's where some professional firsthand training might be the, you know, the asset and the thing that you need to do. I'm just putting that out there. Um, so go get trained, get the supplies, get some of these books, um, you know, watch a little YouTube and put some effort into first aid. Cause I got to tell you, it's going to come up. And another thing to touch on, think about people's mental health when it comes to a stressful situation like that, you know, all the tensions rise when your world's changing as, you know, as you knew it, think about how people are feeling, pay attention to people, pay attention to how they're acting, pay attention to, you know, how things are going and have a little compassion, you know, be a little understanding of, you know, how things are going and, and whatever. And I think you'll find that things work out a lot better. So just a bunch of stuff, you know, to take in and think about. That's what I got. You have uh, ideas, questions, concerns. You want to tell us about our bad medical advice. You want to email us at preppingbadass at gmail.com. Um, you want to, uh, you know, talk to us about other great resources you found. We'd be happy to pass it along. Um, I was just looking at the Prepping Badass group. You guys might want to join that. I know Facebook actually recommends not joining the group. You would think they would want to encourage their product, but they're always like, ooh, this group violates community standards often and, you know, things like that. But isn't that something you want to be involved in? I think, I think that that, you want to, you want to get in before it's gone. Yeah. You want to, yeah, it's from those, well, this one isn't really for you. And that just makes people mm-hmm. run right to it, you know? So right. at least the rebels, right? We get the punks and the, you know, the whatever. They get in on that. So mm-hmm. anyway, you may want to check that out. Uh, we also have a uh, the Prepping Badass page. So it's like facebook.com slam Prepping Badass, I think. Um, we're pretty cool there. And uh, yeah, you know, reach out to us. Let us know some of your ideas. I uh, saw Garrett posted uh in the prepping badass group was kind of plugging the podcast and telling him he appreciates the time we put in well we appreciate the feedback man thanks so you know keep it up we appreciate when you guys you know interact and tell us what's going on what you're thinking and with that stay safe and we'll talk to you guys next week the survival and basic badass podcast is a proud member of the self-defense radio network Ooh.